Thank you so much for listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I just want to start off by letting you know that we did finish recording these podcasts in February. So as you'll know, that's before we faced all the changes and adjustments that we're now making during the COVID-19 pandemic. So you'll notice we don't talk about it at all, and that's why. But if you're interested in hearing stories and conversations about life during the pandemic, Cole Primo and I are talking to folks in a spinoff podcast called Native Lights Bidapi. So check that out as well. With that said, please enjoy these awesome Native stories on Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. All right. Should we do it? Yes. Bing, bing, bing. Hello! Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. So, Leah, what's new? What's going on? Not too much, man. Just drinking my coffee. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I, I love my coffee. How about you? I've got my energy drink, which I sh- probably shouldn't do what too often. It? It's a Red Bull. Oh. Sugar-free, though. <laughs> Sugar-free. So, that helps. <laughs> so that's, it's healthy, basically. Healthy. Well, my black coffee is also sugar-free. <laughs> there you go. It's basically the same thing. Just so you know. Well, anyway, so I'm super excited for today's show for so many reasons, yeah, right? Definitely. Today is all about building supportive environments, which, you know what? We're here in the studio, you and I, mm-hmm. our producers, and I... I feel so supported right now. Right. 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 So it's always a good thing to have that. (laughs) (laughs) So um, today we talk a bit more specifically on actual spaces where people build others up and how people are encouraging others and supporting others and how it helps both them and the person they're supporting. So Cole, have you had a time? When a supportive place has been significant to you? <laughs> well, like you said, this is right right here, right now, is a very supportive area, you know? Um, I know. We have so many smiling faces. Project manager, engineer, producer, they're all smiling at us right now. Yeah. Big old cheese. <laughs> Definitely. And the support we feel from the listeners, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Especially after we release the first season. And, yeah, you can feel it. So today we have uh, two stories that highlights some significant work that folks are doing to help make life better for others. Each has their own stories behind their work. We'll talk to our brother Bryce. Yeah. Bryce Primo uh, in a bit about his story and his role at the Division of Indian Work and Beyond. But first, we are braving the cold weather. November in northern Minnesota. Okay, I live in northern Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) It gets rigid but we're in northern minnesota today to hang out with a spectacular group of native women who've been getting a lot of attention here Chile. okay so we're recording it's on hold let's put this on you that's producer melissa townsend clipping a microphone on alicia kozlowski Alicia is bundled up in many, many layers. Nine degrees. <laughs> it's real cold. Uh, she's with five other women at the trailhead at Jay Cook State Park near Carlson, Minnesota. They're part of Quaypac, the Native Women's Running Group. 
And producer Melissa Townsend, who hung out with Quaypack, is mm-hmm. in the studio with us. Oh, what's, what's up? up? Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. It's not cold in here. <laughs> no, nope. it's nice and warm in the studio. <laughs> so, Melissa, tell us why you're out there with Quaypack. Well, it's a remarkable group of women. Uh, there are about 125 women involved through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then they say 75 are pretty active. They run mostly long-distance trail races. Okay, so you got long-distance races, right? Like 26, 50 miles. But then you have long-distance trail races yeah. where there are like tree roots and rocks involved, right? I can barely walk those trails. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's really impressive. Uh, and they've been organized since about 2012. So about eight years they've been together. Wow. And uh, they're getting tons of attention. This past January, they were all over Facebook when Oprah's live show came to St. Paul. Oprah! Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I remember that. That was great. Way back. <laughs> yeah. I think it was under wraps for a while. And then like they came out and you know they, they had all this press. And they yeah, were with cool. Oprah on the Stone Arch Bridge <laughs> in the middle of Minneapolis. Anyway, they've been on Good Morning America, ESPN, and they've been featured in Sports Illustrated, Runner's World Magazine, and a bunch of local press. Sure. Nice. So we all know that being in the media can be a double-edged sword. So I wanted to know how they felt about all that media attention and what they feel is the real power of this group and what story do they want to tell people. Sure. So in previous episodes, we've mentioned this crabs in a bucket idea mm-hmm. where sometimes instead of working to help one another, people can bring others down. Uh, this sounds like a case where it's the complete opposite of that, right? Absolutely. Plus, they have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> Gotta make running fun because sometimes it can be pretty miserable. <laughs> it can be brutal, for sure. Cole, do you run? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to run every month or so. <laughs> <laughs> He's an avid runner. <laughs> Just to keep things loose every now and then. <laughs> keep it loose. <laughs> but yeah, like every now and then... Um, I'll sign up for like a 10 mile run and then Holy. Just, <laughs> just train for it like, you know, hopefully longer than a couple weeks beforehand. <laughs> but it's good. It's good every now and then to, to you know, challenge yourself like that. Yeah. I used to run a lot like yeah. before having a kid, before having Marvin. <laughs> You've done like how many marathons? Did three marathons. Yeah. That's, and then um, a bunch of half marathons. You know, wow. nothing over a marathon though. <laughs> A marathon's only 26 miles. (laughs) But I always ran by myself. Yeah. And, you know, no headphones, no nothing, because it always always kind of bugged me. But I think, like, one time I, no, maybe once or twice I tried running in a group group, and I was just... I was just left in the dust, you know? <laughs> it's, it's tough. Yeah. That doesn't feel good. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't say I ran a marathon. I, I kind of jogged a marathon. Army trot. Marathon. Army trot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but yeah, I I think it's pretty intriguing to hear about, you know, a group like that regularly meets yeah. that runs together. Like, that's got to be pretty cool. So, and Melissa, you run too, right? Yeah, I used to do uh, sprint distance triathlons. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> so serious that's like business. A little bit of running, a little bit of swimming, a little bit of biking. That's cool. But then I had all those hip problems. But now I get on the treadmill and I fantasize about running. That's <laughs> 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 because I walk. I'm walking. Uh, and sometimes I dance walk. on the treadmill. <laughs> but I dream of running. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so, Quaypack, are they a running group? That supports one another or a support group that runs. Mm. And I think we'll hear a bit more about how each person feels about that. It sounds like there are many different reasons why the women get into 
running and specifically this running group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you met up with these folks. Yes, I did. Okay. Oh, okay. To go off, but it's on now. Okay, sweet. And then how am I getting this back to you? I'm going to meet you at the warming house. Oh, okay, perfect. All right. It's so cold you can see your breath. Everyone's wearing so many layers you can only see people's eyes. And everyone's wearing something blaze orange because it's deer hunting season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they had planned a long run, but because of the cold, they shortened it to only four miles. Only four miles. Yeah. That's gorgeous. So perfect snowing. It's like a postcard. A hunter postcard. If anybody's cold, I have a bunch of heating packs on me. <laughs> I'm basically one heater. <laughs> Need some in your glove, Nishay? Hey, yeah. <laughs> when I say, warm me up, baby. Here's one. There you go. So when I clipped the microphone on Alicia, I thought I'd get a lot of sound like this just footsteps, breathing. But actually, they pretty much talk and laugh. The entire time. <laughs> they weren't just zened out. Like, no. <laughs> they're not like all in their own little heads. No. Oh my god. <laughs> that thing you sent me, I sweat rocks that thing you sent me that was like, stop praying for me because you're saying the wrong things. <laughs> That's great. Just stop praying for strength, patience, just praying for hardship to come their way so they can practice it. <laughs> I don't even add to say help me, help them. I wanted them to feel as natural as possible and not worry about feeling like they were talking to me. Sure. So I said, if you get talking and you realize you don't want me to use something in the show, just yell out, don't use that. Don't use that. And they did a lot, like when they Save were cussing. Oh, yeah, gonna... just oh, like... shit. Don't use that. Ah! I keep saying, I swear a lot. <laughs> and a few times they referred to traditional teachings or inside jokes they didn't want people to hear about. Yeah, don't use that. That's sacred. <laughs> but for real. Don't use that. Need some help? You got it? I love it when she goes, that's sacred. <laughs> that's sacred. Not that sacred. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh great. my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. You yeah. know what it reminds me of? Joking around with my cousins. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah, like, I have a bunch of, uh, a, quite a few uh, lady female cousins around my age. <laughs> and when we get together, it's just, like, cackling. <laughs> I love it. Actually, the uncles would call us the each uh, the witches of Eastwick. <laughs> we reminded them of like witches or something, like getting together. They'd be like, oh no, the coven is convening. <laughs> it's always nice to have those, those gals you can joke around with so freely. Do you get that cold too as a guy? <laughs> the guy? No, we just, we just are quiet and stoic the entire time. No, I'm right. just joking. No, no, no. No, I mean, I don't know. Well, they must be in incredible shape. <laughs> because if they're talking and able to run at the same time and laugh and all that stuff, I don't know, I get out of breath just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> right now, for instance. So uh, it must also be motivating to have 
people with you and that entertainment mm-hmm. almost <laughs> as you run. <laughs> yeah, it must have been really awesome, like listening to that tape right afterwards, like all the good stuff that you got. <laughs> yeah. Some completely. surprises in there. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. wasn't all like muffled, like it, like the mic wasn't just or something yeah. like that. No, and it was wind great. noise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. No, but I did sit down with Alicia Kozlowski, um, who you heard running, and some other women in the group, Rebecca St. George, Amelia Lagarde, and Trish Stain. So they all have a lot in common. They're all Anishinaabe professional women, and they're all interested in traditional teachings. Most have families and children, and they're in touch with the negative stereotypes about Native women. This is Rebecca St. George. I'll make a full sentence in a minute here. There's There's a stereotype of women and of indigenous women women that we can't be deep friends because we're competitive and we're bitchy and we're after each other's man and whatever (laughs) right like whatever is out there and one of the things I love about this group is that this is the opposite of that it is the full there's just no space for that and I don't think it's a true picture of what women are like anyway but right that narrative gets so strong that a lot of women sometimes internalize it and believe it and believe it about other women maybe even about themselves. But that like, that just doesn't even come up in this group. And we're fun. Yeah. <laughs> Our native women are so freaking fun. But That's true. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> freaking fun. <laughs> All of that is true. All of that is true. And native women are fun. Freaking fun, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> if I do say so myself. <sighs> Yeah, there you so go. freaking fun. Yeah, they're all laughing and they're having a great time, but they're also sort of speaking these truths, happens. you know. Uh, this is Amelia Lagarde. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, where I'm at with that is I can sit here at this table and I can see really strong women. I feel like we're all, like, really strong matriarchs of our family and we are having to keep it together, right? And we're having to be the leaders. And so in your day-to-day life, as you're navigating the home and the work and the community and the hard work that we're doing, there's an armor that we have to put on um, and a burden that we have to carry, right? And then we can go out into this run and it gets to a point, I think, where like that armor comes off and you can tap into the things that you've had to put away that can now be released through running. And Alicia Kozlowski added on to that. And when we first started running, we had a few different runners who, whether it was weight loss or grief, running from addictions and mental health reasons, all those things individually, our hearts were crying out for one another. There's that like loneliness of needing connection and community and healing in a way that indigenous women can support and empower and relentlessly encourage each other in. And so when we do runs, we always say like, you run your race and then we're gonna be there at the end or we're gonna be there along the way. And that's really a huge, transformative, powerful piece to this group. Wow, that's really wonderful. Mm. And you know, we asked earlier, is it a running group that supports each other or a support group that runs? You know, Mm. it just seems like it's both, right? Like you can't take one from the other. Um, They don't exist separately. But yeah, that's really wonderful to hear. There is something special about being running, being physical, 
being mm-hmm. difficult, you know, being like, this isn't something I would normally do. Like all of those things bring something to the table, you know, mm-hmm. that physical exertion. Um, and then the support piece comes in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like playing chess. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but yeah. there's something about running that makes it, Yeah. that works. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all kind of have our own, you know, um, understanding of, you know, working in a group and mm-hmm. feeling support, you know. So, like, both Cole and I, like, we're not trained in any sort of, like, radio hosting, <laughs> podcast hosting, or anything like that. But, like... I can um, pretend, though. I can pretend. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, just being able to have a group that's, like, supportive of us. And, um, you know, it's a challenge, you know, to put together a show. Um, it's a challenge to put our faces up to a microphone and hear our own voices, yeah. right? But, yeah, we get, like, nothing f- but support from you guys and... It helps us, and I don't know if it helps you guys at all, but yeah. <laughs> to be supportive. But what do you think, Cole? But yeah, like um, to to relate to the whole Quaypack deal, um, mm-hmm. this like relentless encouragement situation. I mean, I feel that all the time, and it's such a I'm so lucky that that's the case. Like whether it's doing this, whether it's doing Minnesota Name News, whether it's going to conferences, whether it's being a part of a panel and just doing something new and being encouraged to do that. Yeah, when it comes to Quaypack, I was really interested in this sense that running these 26, 50-mile races up hills and mountains and around trees is a way to work through the big challenges in your life. Um, I talked with Tristane about this. She's one of the Quaypack members. But the last long race that I did was the Fall Full up in Lutzen. So... Like I'm starting and I'm like, okay, I got this. And then when it starts to get a little more difficult, it definitely starts to become like, um, I don't know if you've ever watched Finding Nemo, but I kept thinking, you think you can do these things, Nemo, but you just can't. Because you know how Marlon says that to his son? You can't. You think you can do these things, but you can't, Nemo. And that's something that I kept saying to myself, like, well, you're getting older. You didn't train enough for this. This is a giant mountain. You know, you didn't hydrate enough last night. Like all these things where I (laughs) actually at that race, there was like a giant thing of stone. And I was like, I bet you all these grandfathers are just laughing at me because here I am whining because I can't walk up this hill. So I think that kind of gives me power too to just know like our our people have been running in these trails. Gotta love the Disney Pixar reference with uh, <laughs> Nemo, Finding Nemo. That's right. I don't know, I think we all feel that it's really, it's tough to get motivated, um, of course, but once the end result is imagined, at least for me, and it's value, you know, whether it's creating something, working, working out or whatever, I think that's when you push on. Uh, that and a lot of repetition, of course, <laughs> for some people. Get good at it. <laughs> I know, and I really appreciate what Trish is saying. It's just, like, I can definitely empathize with it, just wanting to, like, give up, you know? And how do you not give up when you just feel, like, done, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, you know, we do a lot of creative stuff, like writing and making music and Mm -hmm. running from time to time. But it it seems like it's a universal thing to hit a block, to hit a... 
um, what like writer's block, a road, the ru- the runner's wall, mm-hmm. right? But what do you do after that? That's really where a lot of that growth occurs, and you know, one foot in front of the other, one step, one more word, one more note, um, just really makes all the difference in going forward. And I love that she was thinking about the grandfathers because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just think about our own ancestors, or I think about my own ancestors and being like, God, what would they think? <laughs> like, like, she has it so easy or something, like relatively trying to look for those opportunities to keep moving forward. Yeah, and uh, I guess whether or not you you believe that you know, ancestors live on or, you know, that they're actually you know, watching us, I, I feel like there's, for at least for me, there's this obligation to, you know, do right by them because you're in the position you are because because of them. Well, okay. So right now, I'm thinking of my two B grandkids or my my great grandkids. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if my kid Marvin has kids, but like you know, in a sense, the next generations. Like I'm thinking of them right now. Mm-hmm. But just imagine that your ancestors were thinking of you, mm-hmm. and even if it's not they're technically looking right at you from sort of some other realm at this very second, at some point they thought of you, I'm sure. You know, at least that's what I think, because I do it. (laughs) 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 Or at least I imagine it. But anyway, (laughs) I digress. Very profound, very profound. You know, it's interesting too, when it comes to Trisha's story, she was feeling that way, right? And she's questioning herself and questioning her ability to finish it. And, you know, what, like Glia said, what do you do in that moment? You know, push on, that's where your growth comes. Mm-hmm. And she also it says it's important to give herself permission to slow down mm-hmm. and stop. And not give up, mm-hmm. but slow down and stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, at that race, at that race, uh, Quaypak wasn't there. She was on her own. But she did meet another woman around the starting line. And then midway through the race, they saw each other again. And this is what she says happened. Introduce yourself when you're on a long trail with somebody. And I was like, what's up? And she could see the tears. She's like, how are you doing? And I said, not great. And she's like, well, you're already at the second aid station. You have one aid station left and then you're done. You know, I knew that logically. I knew the route. But when you have another person point that out for you, I think that's where that positive voice started coming in, where it's like, you're doing this because you can. You're doing this because you're choosing to be healthy. You know what? Just walk. You don't have to run the whole thing. This is a hard race. And so I had to allow myself to kind of slow down a little bit and just know that I could do it. And so that's So she slows down, and she's walking up the final steep, rocky hill, and her phone rings. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. My six-year-old called me, and I was surprised I got a signal out on the trail. So I answer it, thinking it's an emergency, because it was from home. I'm like, hello. And my six-year-old says, Genesis won't let me have a toaster strudel. And I was like, okay, like, tell your sister that I said you can have a toaster strudel. And she's like, okay. And she sounded pretty sad. And then I was like, well, mommy's running 26 miles, so I got to go. That's hilarious. She's like, oh, you have a race today? And I said, yeah, that's why I'm not home. And she's like, oh, okay. All right, well, I'll see you when you get home. (laughs) So I think that also really helped just to hear her 
even though it was over a toaster strudel, just to hear her voice and see you when you get home. So I was like, well, I can't turn around. I can't stop here. So I may as well keep going. It was definitely funny. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get home somehow. <laughs> you got to put one foot in front of the other. Oh, that's a cute story. Toaster strudels can get very <laughs> contentious. <laughs> <heated>. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever fight over a toaster strudel? Probably. Uh, most or likely. Maybe a, what do you call it? The Pop-tart. uh, Pop-Tarts, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> pop Yeah, we fought a bit. Yeah. No big deal. It happens. That's <laughs> very good to us. <laughs> but like we grew up in the age with no cell phones, so we couldn't really call our mom or <laughs> our dad <laughs> in the middle of things. All the yeah. So I really like that story. Yeah. Because it's like she's being a, an example for her kids. And, you oh. know, that's how you teach. Right. Yeah. So you can't just be like, hey, you got to act this way or that way, you know, push through um, without being one of the, being a physical example yeah. for them. So I definitely like that. Yeah, Trish says her kids are one of the biggest reasons that she keeps running. <laughs> to be honest with you, I have daughters and um whenever I want to go faster or do better, it's because I know they're watching me. And I'm probably going to cry, but <laughs> I think that a lot of especially minority women get taken advantage of in a lot of ways. And I want to set my kids up and other kids um, up to not be taken advantage of, to not feel like they're not accomplished if they don't do 100% on everything. And so when I say my daughters are watching me, um, I know that they see me finish. And they know that I work hard to get there. I just want my girls to know that they can do whatever they really want to do if they put their minds to it. And I don't mean to say that I never got that message myself, but I think that with the women that I've surrounded myself with, I think that they'll get it a little sooner than I did because it took me a long time to get there. So it's not only showing you know, her daughters that the mother is finishing a goal and going through these obstacles, but it's also showing her daughters that you can find people to support you in, yeah. mm-hmm. in that. Relationship. Yeah, and it's not a bad thing to be a part of a group. And I love that balance where it's like, don't settle, but you don't have to go full out 100% all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is just magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you talk about supportive relationships, something happened on that super cold day when the Quay Pack was all dressed in orange, taking that run through Jay Cook State Park. And it gave me a clear idea of why they show up, how they show up for each other. Oh, shoot! Oh, crap. Just sit down for a minute. Sit down. Oh, by her ankle. Those leaves. Just breathe. We ain't in a rush. So what happened here is that Sarah Agatone House fell in a hole and twisted her ankle. If you need to scream, sometimes that helps. I feel like you might want to just stay down for a while. I felt it go. Oh. I might black out for a second. No, don't do that. I mean, if you need to. I know, I was thinking about the last time this happened and you blacked out. Yeah. Okay, put your head down. Breathe. Breathe. 
please, I just don't want you to get scared. Okay. I'll come back. It's just like her thing, though. She well, like passes out a little like, bit. It's my like a splash of passing out. It's my disassociation. <laughs> <laughs> my body's just like, and we're out of here. <laughs> Your body's like, my peace soul, out. My spirit's like, and we're leaving. Should, is this is this what I'm supposed to put cheese its down? My spirit. <laughs> 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 oh my god, she's getting this all on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we can use all. <laughs> So she gets up and it's hurting, but she thinks she can walk back. And she feels badly that she's made everyone stop. And she wants them to keep running. But here's what they say. I think you should put some pressure on you. I think if you want to keep going, no, keep going but we're that's going not back. what we're doing. Yes, we are going we're not going to leave you. I'm going back. That's literally not. Okay, I want you to imagine. I want you guys not to run. stop for a minute. It doesn't matter. Half an hour. We already ran. I want you to think. We only said an hour, anyways, right? Yeah. So it's perfect. It's like your body timed us right to turn around in an Down. hour. Like, this will be the spot. <laughs> Stick together. Yeah. It's ride or die. <laughs> Stick together. And, you know, none of them is, like, disappointed. You know, yeah. they just want to be there for each other. So that's, yeah, it's awesome to see all that support among the ladies there, among the women there. Yeah, it's basically the opposite of competitive, right? Sorry you fell. I got to get my miles in. <laughs> Bye. 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 the dust. <laughs> <laughs> and Alicia Kozlowski says the thing about the Quay Pack is that it's a pack. We stick together, right? Mm, yeah. And Amelia Lagarde says running is just the means to an end. We don't do, a, I don't think, a lot of focus on the runs themselves as much as like what the runs give us. Um, and so like, it's less about distance and it's less about time and it's less about like the run as much as like the life that it brings to us. Um, yeah. And Alicia says the same thing. The runner who wore the microphone, mm. this is a way back for her. This is a way back from a life changing trauma. For me to have experienced recently, um, a sexual assault. It was really hard to feel powerless and to feel like a victim, especially because I had just ran a 52.1 miler. So, right, I'm in like the prime physical condition of my life and I'm feeling great. And then to just be swept off my feet, that armor that I heard these women talk about it went up, right? And so when you're in armor mode and you're in freeze and fight and flight, you are just so disconnected. And I think that's what trauma does. And so for me, it shut me off physically and emotionally and spiritually. And she actually stepped away from running for a while. The only time I was running was maybe once every other week or once every other month because I couldn't run alone or on a trail. Um, it made me not want to trust. And she says the Quay Pack is her way back. And so having these connections and these healing pathways is what ultimately is helping to restore, um, to feel safe again, to feel like I can show up and be seen and um, that my heart is strong and my body is still strong. 
that I can be in relation with other people around me. And they want you. Yeah, and they want me. And they got me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, you know, like tears to laughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Wow, that Alicia's story is really touching, or really heart-wrenching and inspiring all at the same time, you know, because she went through trauma and then found a pack, right? Yeah. Yeah, we all need a pack. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of reasons to have an indigenous an indigenous women's running group to prove that women can support each other, to be physical, to do hard things, to have self-compassion, deep support, right? Mm-hmm. And spiritually to be connected to each other and to tradition. It's it's all there. It's like what makes us human, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like relationships and connection and um friendships and all of that stuff and you know it's almost like we can get through almost anything really you know with one another yeah quay pack man that's incredible yeah rock on quay pack (laughs) (laughs) do you have a comment about that from what i take away from this is like not only are these women healing they're they're more powerful as a collective and as individuals like this collective helps the individual grow stronger and it's also the other way around. The individual helps the collective. So yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, greater yeah. than the sum of it, some of its parts. Mm-hmm. That is true. Toaster Stoodle, a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of funny to see just to even see it written down on the page here. Like um, when they start out their story, it's like a serious thing, and then a lot of times at the end, it's back to laughter. Yeah, you know, after they're telling their stories, and you can hear the smile in their voice, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and thinking about how Quaypack has helped them. You know, Leah, too, like, you know, your phrase from the very first episode of the very first season, the gloom and doomy, right? Oh, mm-hmm. And we can talk about, yeah, and we can talk about like trauma and sexual assault, and we should, right? Because it's mm-hmm. real, and we do, right? <laughs> but all of that wrapped inside of the power and the humor and the humanness of people. Right, and the ability to, I don't know, put that all into perspective. So that's kind of what I like about this. Definitely. So like I said in the beginning, this group is getting all this press attention. And so I asked them, you know, what do you want people to know? What What do you want people to learn from what you're doing? And it was Amelia and Alicia who responded. We've been running. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors have been running. We're going to keep running. Mm-hmm. So like people can be around and be like, Native women running, but that's nothing new. Mm-hmm. That's what we've been doing. Yeah. And that's what our babies are going to do. And our children are seeing us as strong and powerful and resilient. And also non-Native people are starting to see Indigenous women, that shift of a narrative of who we are. And the really crucial thing is that we're changing that story for each other. We're medicine for each other. And and that's more than enough for us. And so there are ways for people to support, which, by the way, we will take donations. (laughs) There's all sorts of ways to help uplift and amplify us in a way that... um, You got to do the donations. <laughs> got to plug it. Well, I think Alicia put it pretty much perfectly there and summed it up really great. 
um, that we're in ways medicine for each other. Thank you, Melissa, for coming in and talking to us about Quay Pack. Yeah. My pleasure. And chimigwech to the Quay Pack for sharing your words and bringing us along for that run. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, you're listening to Native Lights, the podcast where Indigenous voices shine. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. And in the first part of this episode we heard from producer melissa townsend mm-hmm. and the awesome women of quay pack and how that running group is just an awesomely supportive environment and how they are all working to keep that environment that way so i just love that and mm. that's kind of i mean that is what this episode is all about is building supportive environments and next we are going to talk to mm-hmm. bryce primo our, our brother, brother. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't plan that either <laughs> no of course not <clears throat> it's just that sibling mind meld yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so bryce is the youngest of us yep you are the middlest i'm the of middle us, and i'm i'm your elder yep so <laughs> <laughs> I've always got I always get to go first, but he's on this mm-hmm. episode because he just does a lot of great work with um, the youth and with talking to folks about safe talk, which is um, helping others have an open dialogue with people who have thoughts of suicide. Mm. And he's a house manager at his sober house. Yep. So all through all of these several things, I know it was funny because, you know, he goes through and he says what he does. And I'm like, that's it, you know, because <laughs> he does all this stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he helps create supportive environments for others, which ends up being some of the best medicine for himself as well. And here he is. My name is Bryce Primo. I am working at Division of Indian Work now with the Youth Leadership Development Program. I'm also a house manager of a sober house, Rejuvenate Homes, and that's in St. Paul. I also do suicide prevention workshops through Living Works. For instance, with a Youth Leadership Development Program here at Division of Indian Work, I work in the alcohol and drug and tobacco prevention part of the youth leadership development program and I have experience in that uh, area I'm a alcoholic I uh, but I have gone through treatment and I'm in recovery now and so I have learned a lot about recovery and how to manage and cope with stress in a healthy way I can definitely speak for the suicide part of that as well the depression that is brought on by excessive use and how to prevent coping with stress and and uh, depression in an unhealthy way. So I use that experience and I put that into work. I research a lot of different coping mechanisms, meditation, deep breathing, you know, coloring, anything like that. To And I give those tools to the kids to employ when they are feeling stressed or you know, rather than using unhealthy coping skills. It's 
it's amazing to hear him speak like this. I mean, and just to see how far he's come. Um, the passion he's got, this aim and focus. I don't know. I'm just very proud of him. It's when you kind of figure things out, how it can really change your life. Yeah. And here's Bryce again. Um, also, we, we do cultural activities on a nightly or weekly basis here at YLDP. We start off the night every night with smudging, which is burning sage, cedar, sweet grass, and, and then saying a prayer before we eat. Uh, smudging is a, a way of healing, you know, releasing the, the bad thoughts that we might have at that time. We also bring in elders from our community to teach about different ways of spiritual healing using the, the four medicines and four directions. We try to bring in community members to teach traditional dances and like like the hoop dance. So yeah, we, we do we do a lot of a fair amount of cultural lessons at YLDP as well as, you know, the other parts of our program, which is, you know, education, tutoring, alcohol and drug and tobacco prevention. Yeah, it's so cool how it, it, it can be really beneficial to ground teachings and even, you know, tutoring and stress relief in culture. So, like, mm-hmm. not just some random coping mechanism, yeah. but, you know, to be able to connect it back to culture, yeah. like, with smudging and dancing and all of those things. So, it's really cool to hear him do that yeah. um, at the Division of Indian Work. It's just great to see, you know, the stories that we hear from other people, how they go through hard times, but they turn around and they use, you know, culture, they use their experiences to help other people, and we're seeing that with Bryce and that just, I mean, like I said, it just makes me extremely proud of him that now he's doing all these great things. So, yeah. yeah. And so a lot of what Bryce does revolves around mental health and, like he said, coping mm-hmm. with depression and anxiety. And he hosts these safe talk workshops at the Division of Indian Work, which helps to teach people how to identify those at risk of suicide and then connects them with intervention resources. Mm-hmm. You know, as you heard earlier, it it's personal for Bryce Mm -hmm. and he's really able to relate um, to folks going through that. So in this next section, Bryce talks about suicide and his own experience um, and that has helped inform his work and which helps him relate and, you know, really understand the importance of an open dialogue. Okay. I had uh, suicidal thoughts plague me for uh, over a decade, I would say. I was under the false notion that keeping these thoughts to myself, I didn't want to be a burden on somebody else. And it was uh, really hard. It was, it was very difficult. And, and now I, I realize I've gone through um, treatment and I've gone through different doctors and, and psychiatrists. And, and now I've become a crisis counselor myself. So I realize how hard it can be for somebody to divulge this information and and actually talk about it. So now that I'm able to, I just want to be as much help as I can, where I can. I know some of the struggles of those thoughts on a personal level. So it's uh, something that I am very passionate about and I, I want others to be able to speak up and share their their emotions with other people. It's not a weakness. 
it's a strength, really. In in terms of um, being helpful for thoughts of, of suicide or depression or, or anxiety or, or anything like that, I, I believe, for me, it was practicing talking about suicide in an open and honest way, practicing meditation, um, breathing techniques, you know, being present in this in a moment instead of thinking about troubles in the past or anxieties about the future and just really being present in the moment and acknowledging your feelings with another person. And those thoughts don't have to stay inside your head. You can you can share them with another person. That's what helped me the most. Totally. And it totally goes back to what we talked about with Quaypack about relationships and communication and support for one another. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, like, a lot of families and a lot of people go through this. Mm-hmm. So what would it mean for families to be able to have these open dialogues you know, about mm-hmm. mental health, about emotion and talk about emotions and all of that stuff, have those open lines of communication that somebody doesn't feel so alone. Yeah. You know, not like, not like, you know, these sorts of things can prevent everything or anybody's at fault for not talking about their emotions. But how would that feel if we could just not be worried about being vulnerable? I can definitely relate to him when it comes to not showing emotion, you know, keeping your feelings inside. And I I don't think that's something that obviously was just our family or, you know, whatever. I think this is just a society thing. Um, Mm. You see it in cinema. You see, like, the hardened uh, dude who doesn't show any emotion. And I don't know. You just see it a lot. And it's I feel like it's something in the society where... I don't know. You don't want to get into an awkward situation. You don't want to open up. But uh, I don't know. I, th- something's got to ch- change with that situation because it leads to so many people not being able to open up and not being able to say how they're feeling and that they have suicidal thoughts and things like that. Right. And when it happens so much, you can find a comfort in knowing that there are other people that are going through a similar yeah. experience. And so that almost, that could help, but it's like ripping off a Mm Band-Aid. So it's really great to see Bryce become a leader in this mental health realm here and in having these open dialogues and having these conversations in the community. It's a a culture that's very hard to speak about your your problems on Facebook or, or Instagram. Everything's usually in a positive light. Sometimes it can be very frustrating to see everybody else around you having what is portrayed to be a perfect life when in reality, you know, you're going through something very difficult. So it's, it makes it harder to talk about these issues. Also, there's a part of it too for me that, you know, being um, raised in a way that showing your emotions is not ideal or it's not very accepted as a, a healthy means of, of being. I don't know, it's hard to put into words, you know, like being a man for me was not showing my emotions. And that's totally not true. Uh, as I found out in, later in life, it makes you a stronger person. So that's my personal experience. Others may have a different experience, but I believe, truly believe that it's uh, showing your emotions 
showing you're sad, you're you're happy, anything like that. Anywhere in between is is better for you emotionally to to share these feelings in an open and honest way. I don't know. I mean, just in the past few years, I've, I've just noticed you know Bryce being able to open up more in general. Like we'll be <laughs> we'll be sitting down for lunch and. You know, normally a few years ago, you know, wouldn't talk too in depth about what's going on in our lives and stuff. But now he's like super, super open, super ready to you know, talk about his work, talk about his feelings and stuff like that. And it's just great to see that um, evolution, I guess or you could say. Yeah, when I sat down with him, like you can hear the strength mm-hmm. in being vulnerable. Like, hey, yeah. You know, this is my truth. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with me, right? And there's nothing wrong with him, mm-hmm. right? I think we can, a lot of us can empathize with that. Like, we have all these emotions, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's, n- I feel like <laughs> there's no, like, hierarchy of emotions, <laughs> right? It's kind of this whooshy spectrum, multidimensional spectrum of emotion that yeah. we all contain or all can emit. And you know, there's no one emotion that's like, that's where we're supposed to be all the time. Right. So, um, to be able to fully embrace your humanity and to have all those emotions and to talk about them in a society, like you mentioned, where (laughs) we're only supposed to have a couple of emotions and, (laughs) you know, happy and perfect, uh, I think is really commendable. Yeah. It's amazing to learn the language, uh, um, of, how you're feeling so you can express it into words and basically share it with another human being. It's, it's amazing. The things that I've learned as I gotten older that I wish I would have learned, you know, at 16 or or 14 or, um, so that's why it's, it's important to me now to kind of relay these, these terms to the, the youth in our program. It's, uh, it's something that I, I find to be extremely helpful in curing the frustrations of these youth. So like it, when you learn the language of expressing yourself, the less frustrated you are in that moment. There is a, a higher level of depression and anxiety in the youth that we have. It's unfortunate to be feeling that way at that age, but there is statistically one in five teenagers, like overall population that will develop these issues it's it's best to identify these things early so that you can seek um, professional help yeah if if need be share these resources with the youth to actually seek that help because they won't they're not necessarily willing to share some things at, at a certain time but with these different resources like like crisis text line it's anonymous and they are definitely texting each other like crazy so they're they're more comfortable using these things and they're anonymous so with that resource they can be connected to all these different other mental health free resources nationwide it's up to the adults around you to kind of teach you about these these different emotions and and you know take action um, on your behalf sometimes or you know otherwise when you do learn the resources that you have around you, doctors, for instance, can't turn you away for um, medical services, and they and it, they have to keep the services confidential. Bryce is just, you know, 
a wealth of resource for the youth at DIW there at that in the in the program they have there. Yeah. And it's cool that he kind of like meets them where they are. Like if you need help, here's a way to text somebody to help, you know? Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, calling on the phone, <laughs> which I'm not sure do kids do, do the youth do that these days? I'm I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's really neat that he's, he really meets them where they are. I, I really like that because uh, if, if you're texting somebody, you know, you get, you have time to, form your thoughts and it's definitely something I can relate to because I'm I've felt in the past that I'm so much better at just writing what I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> writing what I'm feeling than uh, trying to open up and say it so to to have that option to text somebody uh, initially is, is great yeah it's like a, another way that people communicate and yeah. sometimes it's a stronger way that people communicate you don't have to suffer but yeah, so Bryce doesn't just work with youth. He also, like I said, leads those conversations that help folks identify and talk about suicide. Mm-hmm. And he's also the house manager for Rejuvenate Homes, which is a place for sober living. Rejuvenate Homes is the organization that I am a house manager for. And they're one of the bigger, I think they're the biggest sober homes organization in St. Paul now. I've seen a lot of people recover in those houses personally, you know, working their programs of recovery, I should say. It's also, it also gives you the best shot at recovery. The chances of you staying sober are are slim, you know, uh, if you go through treatment and, and then you're not in a safe place. Whereas if you go from treatment to a sober house, your chances are better. It, I think it's over 60% stay sober over a year, whereas 40% will stay sober after a year without uh, attending a sober house. It was very helpful to me to build community, you know, built a lot of relationships, made friends. Now that I'm a manager, it's a little bit different because I'm helping the people of my house, you know, f- seek different jobs or resources in in the area. Mainly it's just to make sure everybody stays safe and um, is sober and just providing that that environment for them. Helping a fellow addict is unlike any other experience that I've been through. Basically, if you're in recovery and you've worked the steps of the program with another person, you are well equipped to help another person out where you used to be at one point in time in your life. There's a level of of trust and credibility, let's say. Like if you go to um, visit somebody in the hospital who's recovering from withdrawal or something like that, if you have been through that experience and the other person trusts you, you can help out like no other person can. When you're able to help somebody into treatment or detox or or uh, into a sober house, it, it's not only helping that person, but it's helping you because it it brings you back to that point in your life where you were not managing coping with what life throws at you. 
in a healthy way. What Bryce is saying kind of reminds me of that situation of um, if you're learning something, if you're trying to learn, you know, math or something like that, to improve yourself is to teach uh, that to other people. Mm-hmm. And I just see it as like he went through the situation like he's best equipped to help other people going through the same situation. Yeah, like reinforces that knowledge. Yeah, for sure. I can't tell you how much it's helped me. It's definitely a key component of my recovery in in that aspect. You know, looking back on the past 15 years, the time I felt the most accomplished was when I was volunteering or, you know, being of service to another. And, you know, I had that epiphany. I was just like, you know, this is the right place for me right now. Giving back to the community, helping others where I can is, it it gives me so much. I don't think about money anymore. Rarely do I think about the future, you know, like, oh man, I have to pay my taxes at the end of the year and stuff. It's just, I'm giving back um, to other people. That's what matters, you know? Yeah, and, you know, we heard that with the Quay Pack, too. You know, like, being there for one another is medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really wonderful to see him growing up <laughs> and talking about these things. Um, I feel like, I don't know, like, very proud. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely brings us back to the you know, the core of the show. It's just, you know, using your gifts to mm-hmm. help to help others, to help your community, and he's doing exactly that. So I just want to say a big thank you to Bryce, yes, to Bryce Primo thank for you so much, Bryce. Uh, talking with me, um, to us, and for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's it's really great to have that that dialogue for talking about emotion, talking about suicidal thoughts. And, you know, making sure that we're there, there, we're there for one another, right? Yeah. And if you or someone you know needs help, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline toll-free number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can also text HOME, that's H-O-M-E, to the crisis text line, which is 741741. Right. Well, it's that time where we say goodbye and gigawabamin. Yeah, we want to thank all the women of Quaypac mm-hmm. and our brother Bryce Primo for sharing their stories with us today. Next time on Native Lights, we talk to two fantastic artists who talk about their influences and their work. Join us. We want to thank our engineer, Justice Sanchez, our project manager, Aaron Warhol, Producers Melissa Townsend and Lori Stern. Music by Cole Primo. If you'd like to help us spread the word about Native Lights, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and every major listening app, as well as minnesotanativenews.org.